podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And Antonio Margarito has the victory he's been waiting for all his life. That is a modern boxing classic. Hello Boxing Asylum listeners and welcome to another Punches from the Past where we delve into the historical archives and talk about the fights that mattered. I'm Steve Wellings once again and for this special show I'm joined by Mr Andy Patterson, Kurt Ward and Dave Lee. Don't forget you can find our previous shows over on Tumblr, iTunes and directly through the Facebook page. We've already covered uh, the two bouts between Delahoya Mosley, the Lewis Klitschko, Nelson Sanchez and last week we covered Jamie Moore versus Ryan Rhodes. But this week we're going to travel over to July the 26th, 2008 in a classic Mexican-Puerto Rican battle between Miguel Cotto and Antonio Margarito in the MGM Grand Las Vegas. Cotto, the Bob Arum starless with a 32-0 record against the dangerous, controversial Mexican Margarito. Without further ado, I'm going to hand over to our resident big fight expert, Mr Andy Patterson, now to give us his opening insight leading into this WBA welterweight title encounter. Andy, take it away. Cheers, Steve. As you know, uh, Margarito was the number four ranked uh, ring magazine uh, welterweight contender in the world. Floyd Mayweather was still ranked as the lineal champion at that time. Uh, Cotto, I think, was number one. Uh, or ranked number one, sorry. Margarito, as you say, was, was number four. Now, it's another installment, obviously, the Mexico-Puerto Rico rivalry. Dating back to 1934, when 60 Escobedo, or sorry, Escobar defeated uh, Baby Casanova and became the first Puerto Rican champion, a world champion. It was obviously it was an eagerly anticipated, uh, anticipated fight. Cotto, obviously coming up through the ranks, he made six uh, defences, his WBO 140-pound title before he faced against Carlos Quintana. Um, Margarito, you know, as, as we all know, he's, he had the uh, He's bout with WBO champion against Daniel Santos, who ended in a, a, a no contest due to a bad cut. You know, it's just the the way that Cotto came up with you know, a blue chip prospect, so to speak. Um, really, well, decent amateur. 
uh, really came into the, the, the professional ranks, really kind of like blowing you know, or cutting a sway through uh, through the ranks, as, as, as it, so to speak. Tell you, mate, love more than do. And obviously, then is obviously a, a kind of solid operator, decent chin. Then obviously cutting through Bailey, who was obviously a, a, a big puncher, Demarcus Corley. You know, and then obviously had that that tough fight with Ricardo Torres, which is probably one of my, my favourite Cotto fights. Just to see him kind of like dig deep and shows what he's made of. Jelanko uh, Branco, and I think he's still obviously kicking around nowadays. Pauli Malinagi, that he really gave a beat down on. And then obviously that was when the move up, move up to to welterweight, and he faced off Quintana Urko. And he did he did have the opportunity to fight Antonio Magarito back in the 9th of June 2007. For whatever reason, Magarito knocked the fight back. Uh, some people say that Floyd Mayweather ducked uh, Antonio, Antonio Magritte for something like between five and eight million dollars. You know, a lot of Floyd fans will dispute that. So really, over that course of time, I think um, Magritte even lost uh, uh, Paul Williams at that time. So it really did put the jeopardise uh, the unification fight because he was just as I say, Magritte was WBO champion at that time. Uh, so obviously, Cotto goes on. He dis- basically destroys Judah in a really good competitive fight, and then uh, does really well, especially early doors in the fight against Shane Mosley. Uh, really, kind of, I really did think that was his. You know, he basically, he was really knocking on the door at pound for pound at that time. In my personal opinion, you know, off okay, the Alfonso Gomez fight. Gomez was probably more like a light welterweight, maybe even a lightweight. But uh, you know, going into the Magrito fight, everybody, you know, everybody in. In the sport, the press, the bookies, everybody really did think this was going to be a blood and guts battle. It was, it was promise and violence, and uh, it's, you know, as it transpired, actually, that's exactly what we got. I think, Kurt, as Andy mentions there, great breakdown. I'd never really minded Cotto, as I was saying off air. I really enjoyed his early rise on the big fight undercards, um, the Torres fight, Kelson Pinto, even way back to Justin Duco in 2002. wouldn't go so far as to call myself a fan of Cotto, but I didn't mind him, and Bob Aaron was obviously building him up to be a huge prospect. He took him out uh, as part of the big uh, publicity campaign for this fight to Las Vegas to help try and build the Cotto brand and to introduce his name and his style and his way of fighting to a new set of fans, not just the, the guys who'd been following him. Actually, in the lead-up, Andy mentioned there the Alfonso Gomez fight. Cotto smashed the life out of Gomez. That was on the, the 12th of April in the uh, in New Jersey. And, of course, Margarito had also done his own bit of smashing against Kermit Cintron on the same venue, on the same night. In It's not an eliminator as such, but it was just to build it up. And, and they both got through those uh, various tests, and then th- that made the fight in July uh, all the more appetising and, and possible. Kurt, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, obviously both were on great runs, as, as you mentioned. Cotto was unbeaten, and you know, Margarito, two knockouts over Cintron. Um, I know he had a, a close, but you know, a win over Cotto. The, the Paul Williams fight. I mean, there's no shame in losing. I mean, he, he didn't really have to take that fight, I suppose. But it was it was a good fight, and Williams obviously a, a really um, was getting a lot of hype then, especially after he won that fight. But now, I think going into it, it looks as a fight that Cotto should win. You know, Margaret was obviously going to give him a tough time, but you know, we all knew what he was like. He, he was slow, but he came forward. He, well, he plodded forward, there to be hit. But Cotto, being the better boxer, that you know, the the guy that top rank really, you know, had high hopes for. You know, and you know, he'd get you in over Margaret. I'll give you a tough fight, give the fans a good fight, and then move on. You know, your Pacquiao and those type of guys. But you know, Margaret, oh. He had a few losses. He had a long career because he's a lot, lot of Mexicans. He started early, but you know, a dangerous guy and a guy that you know was so big at the weight, just like Paul Williams, who fought. You know, and Cotto going in, you know, 
the, the big question was if 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 he couldn't hurt Margarito, when you know we know that a lot of people won't be able to hurt him. If he can't hurt him or get his respect, how is his gas tank going to hold down down the, the twelve rounds if he has to go there? And can Margarito impose himself on him? And even though Cotto would have been expected to get the win, you know that that was the danger for him. And you know as we you know we'll talk about the fight. You know he you know he started off well in it, but yeah, I mean a great fight to make. And you know when I watched it. You know, for the first time in a few years again, I mean, it's it's a fight that I just don't think ever gets old. You know, both guys really showed at times really, you know, brilliant moments. And I think, you know, whether you like Cotto or you, you, you hate Marguerite or whatever, I think for respect to both guys, I mean, both guys took a lot of punishment. They they came forward, they landed big shots. And as Max Kellerman said, you know, it's a modern boxing classic without a doubt. I I I always been a big cutoff fan, you know. Going back to when I first saw him, Steve, you mentioned there uh, Justin Juco. I think that was on the undercard of the uh, second fight between Marco Antonio Pereira and Eric Morales. And even then, you could see, you know, he just had star quality, didn't he? He just oozed class, uh, you know, everything he did. I think top rank bottom up uh, well as well, you know, to give him, you know, they served him, you know, a, a good apprenticeship against the usual names, you know, like the Love More Indus, Victorian Assault, you know, guys like that. Um, I, I always thought that uh, Carlo just oozed class all through, even like as in his early days as a prospect. And to be perfectly honest, I, at, at the time I wasn't um, Margarito's biggest fan. I mean, he had the tagline of like the world's most avoided boxer, and that kind of was being thrown about a bit. Um, but I don't think at that time period his CV really justified it. I mean, you know, the Sergio Martinez win is eye-catching now, but, you know, at the time, Martinez was, he was a very green boxer. No one knew a lot about him. He wasn't really highly thought of. Aside from that, you know, he had he had some good wins against, um, you know, B-level fighters like Antonio Diaz, you know, Josh Cotty we mentioned, who I think he might have damaged his hand early on, if I remember. Yeah, I was going to say that, Dave. Wasn't Clotty doing really well for the first four or five yeah, rounds? Yeah. He, he's laying it four, onto Margarita. and he's four or five rounds. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. I think first four or five rounds. First, I think it was his hand, uh, Kirk. He might have broke his knuckles. I'm, I'm trying to remember, though. I think he broke his knuckles. I think he and broke his right that, hand, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure if he broke it, but I think there was definitely knuckle damage. And oh, after right. that, uh, Margarito took over. Um, you know, so you know, is a good fighter, but you know, they, they, you know, there might be more to that fight than meets the eye. I, I, this, you know, he beat uh, Magrillo beat uh, was it Six Heads Lewis, who was never all that to be honest. Um, no. And he, you know, he had the two wins as you mentioned against Kermit Cintron, and you know, good wins, but you know, Cintron, you know, probably one of the mentally weakest yeah. champions. Head in was history. away, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and any time Cintron was faced with any kind of resistance, he seemed to crumble. I mean, we all remember his infamous dive out of the ring. His biggest fight and the, the quarter fight was the one that was really going to make a break from that was like the high risk, high reward fight. Easily, Andy, yeah. I mean you know, I, I, when, you, when you take away those names that I mentioned there, I think there was a lot of very average wins on Margarita's ledger, which didn't really justify the world's most avoided boxer tagline. I mean, when he beat that that Hercules dude I mean, that was such a gross mismatch that Larry Merchant actually had to apologise to the viewers after broadcasting that fight. I mean, that's how bad it was. Oh, was Kivellos. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was... Was, I mean, it, the, was it the Sebastian... Was it the Sebastian Lujan fight where Lujan's ear looked like it had been run through by a chainsaw or something? That, yeah, I, I think that was the Margarita fight, yeah. yeah. That, that was one of like the worst injuries we'll see in boxing. <laughs> and then, and then in, in the rematch against Daniel Santos, I mean, he, he fought Santos the first time, I think that ended in an old contest in the first round. 
uh, their styles that was made for a sloppy fight. But in the rematch, uh, Santos at times actually made Margarita so, look look like some somewhat of a novice. If I'm not exaggerating too much. I mean, he couldn't work Santos Santos out at all, and I think he was actually hurt at one point too. Now, you know, we've seen Santos over here. I'm sure you remember Santos, Steve. I mean, you know, against like Takalu and of course Nee Sinclair. Sinclair. You know, Sinclair dropped him as well. I mean, mm. the guy was average at best. And, you know, I thought Margarito, um, you know, if he was this elite level fighter, should have been dealing with the likes of him. I know I was up for the higher weight, the light middleweight, and I think he dropped back down shortly after. But at the time, I thought Margarito was being overhyped. And I was full sure that Cotto was going to hand his arse to him. But, you know, <laughs> shows what I know. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'd be a, maybe not as harsh on Margarito. I think whenever I looked down his box record, the amount of four and five gold stars. Now, I know box isn't the, the be-all and end-all when it comes to this, but I think there's a fair few names on it, and guys maybe, yeah, Antonio Diaz was decent enough. Cavellos obviously turned out to be pretty poor. Lujan pretty bang average and Sintron, but he did sort of go in with everybody, and, and he wasn't afraid to mix it up with Cotter and what have you. But well, yeah, well, I think I think what, what, what the point I'm trying to make is, and I think Andy said as well. I mean, it's, this was leading into the Cotter fight. I mean, yeah. this was his by by far this was his litmus test. Um, I think you know Diaz, Diaz, you know Lewis, these guys, Cintron, good fighters, but you know just under the uh, elite level banner. I mean, remember Antonio Diaz having a back and forth war with Mickey Ward. I mean that that was the likes of, that was Diaz's level, you know. Uh, Cotto was a whole another level, and yeah. it remained to be seen for me anyway that Margarita could compete at that level. And obviously, look, you know, he put egg in my face. He absolutely belonged to that level. I, I'm just talking about prior to the Cotto fight. Um, I I didn't think he was justifying this hype that was around him, but he ultimately he proved me wrong. You know, he, well, that, 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 that's an absolutely fair point, Kurt. Yeah, that's a fair point. I I think. The, the whole tagline, you know, the world's most avoided boxer. I think it's a, a line that boxers, you know, I mean, Paul Williams used the same kind of thing, didn't he? He's, he's he, you know, he's a big, well, he's absolutely massive, both guys, massive for the weight, throw a lot of punches. They're the type of guys who, you know, they're not drawing big crowds, they're not making huge money, and they're the type of guy who, if you don't have to fight them, you probably won't. Not because, you know, you can't, don't think you can beat them, but because you just don't need to, and they're, you know, they're going to give you a bit of trouble maybe for a few hours. I mean, people said that Floyd Mayweather ducked him, didn't want anything to do with Margarito. You know, Margarito, he, you know, he was the type of guy who he'd seen, he'd fight anyone. You know, if, if any of the guys, top names, said we'll fight you, he'd be there tomorrow fighting. And that's the type I think that fans bought into. And, you know, this guy will fight anyone. Someone give him a chance. And, you know, he finally got the, the big fight in the Kato fight. And, you know, he, he had it all to prove, I think. And I think, you know, with obviously the controversy that came later, it, it kind of took a lot of what happened away that night. But, you know, I think he had, he had a hard career, you know, where he couldn't get fights that he wanted, he lost a few, you know, he, he had to learn a lot, he didn't, you know, have a amateur career or anything, so, it, you know, he was a very crude boxer, and he, he did get better, in fairness to him, you know, he was ne he obviously never quick, but his incredible chin, his incredible toughness, the, the engine on him, the, the ability to, you know, not a lot of people can do it, the ability to throw 100 punches around continuously, keep coming and eat your shots and smiling at your opponent. I mean, you got to give him all the credit. He, he can do it, and he, you know he showed that. And you know, as, a, as someone facing him, you know, whatever size, you know, a big guy at the weight who can take your best shots and smile. You know, I wouldn't fancy fighting that type of guy. And you know, I could see why a lot of people would rather just not not face him. And you know, Paul Williams was the same. And like I said, he finally got the chance with Cotter. And sometimes, 
you just got to wait to get the big fight to put yourself on the level. We we saw someone like Golovkin right now. He's just waiting and waiting for that big fight, and you know, just to show the world what he can do. And you know, we, I hope someone like Canelo or Kyle gives him that chance. But Margarita was in that position, and you know, he, he had to, to to prove it then because if he'd, you know, as Dave said, a lot of people would have thought Kyle would have beaten easily, and if he had just lost, that would have been, you know, who would have cared about Antonio Margarita after that? When I when I stuck the fight on actually you know, it was the first time I watched it in about a year. Um good, always good to have Manny Stewart uh, basically giving his foresight and his uh, insider knowledge so to speak. But uh, he even said just before the fight started that you know it uh Cotter couldn't win by basically boxing all night and at some point he would be had to stand and forced to fight. Um, you know, you remember I think at that time Cotto was actually even considered to have the like, the best left hook in boxing. You know, if you look at the kind of body shots he used to throw and stuff, but uh, you know, going into the fight itself, you know, it, it was you know, Marguerite was always a kind of slow starter. It was like a locomotive. Usually, I had to put coal in the fire to try and keep, you know, just to finally get him going. But in the middle of the fight, he would he'd be ready to go. But you know, Cole basically was his pressure was was put on him straight away. But even though he was he was landing the flasher combos like the first first two rounds, I just thought that Marguerite, the, the way he started actually was far far quicker than what he's done in the past. I figured this would get to this about the fourth round. It's happening earlier because Cotto cannot merely just outbox this man. The man picks most of the punches off. No, he's going to have to fight it. Cotto with two good left hooks upstairs. Margarito drives him back with the right hand. Unbelievable. They took a round to warm up. And this is the fight that everyone expected to see. Yeah, I thought early on in the fight that um, Cotto tried to get the jab going. He tried to get the jab going and stamp his authority, but there was something about Cotto throughout the whole fight. I thought he really struggled with the physical strength of Margarito right from early on. And Margarito, we know the type of guy he is, a lot of volume, hunts you down, hits you hard and often. And that's what he was doing to Cotto. Cotto couldn't really find the spaces. Early on, he had a little bit more success, but as, as the fight went on, as we'll look at, obviously he started to struggle. But he was throwing a lot of swiping shots, trying to get the little left hook off and... He did okay, I thought. Uh, Dave, I think you were saying that you... Did you have Cotto winning the majority of the early rounds? I did have him winning the majority of the early rounds. Uh, the majority of the rounds in general. But as you said, Steve, it's a very uh, important point. At no stage in that fight did Cotto ever look comfortable, did he? No. Uh, Margarito was on his case round after round after round. Even when he wasn't winning rounds, even when he wasn't landing, he was making Cotto work for every second. And you, you just knew... I mean, the writing was on the wall in the sense that he couldn't get Margarita's respect. Cotto couldn't. You know, he was landing some cracking combinations, some beautiful shots, and he just could not keep Margarita off him. And you just knew he, he couldn't do that for 12 rounds, no matter how well he moved. And his lateral movement was superb, some great footwork, but you know, Mar Mar Margarita was on him like a rash throughout. And, you know, even the, the second round... Margarito landed with a right hand and it caught Cotto's attention. Even then, you, you just knew there was going to be trouble in the long haul for Cotto. For me, I mean, I don't know what everyone else thinks, but it, it kind of had elements of uh, Maldrick Taylor Chavez when the guy is winning the fight on points and he's looking, you know, he's, he's doing all right, but um, the other guy is just, he can just take what, he can, what he's being given and he keeps coming forward and he's getting in these little shots. I mean, 
Marguerite, I mean, people, you know, say he, he can't box very well, but his left uppercut was working a treat. And, he, he, you know, at one stage in the fight, I can't remember what round it was, but he threw about three in a row. That I think, you know, I don't know if we'll talk about the controversy after the fight and what, what followed Marguerite afterwards. And, you know, some fans to this day will say, you know, he was, he was cheating. Some fans will say he wasn't. The fact is, there's no clear proof he was cheating in the fight. And um, I still maintain, you know, Cotto could have won this fight quite comfortably in my opinion if, if he just employed a clinch now and again he didn't clinch at all in the fight as fans we don't want to see the clinching going on we want to see two guys just going at it but for Cotto if he just tied Margarito up whenever he got inside I, don't, I, I think it would have been a lot easier fight whenever he would have had the strength to be able to do that for the 12 rounds like someone like Shane Mosley did a, a couple of years later against Margarito I don't know but I think he could have made it a lot easier for himself but he allowed Margarito not only to just keep coming but to basically be right in his chest and, you know, he was laying on the ropes to get a rest. And you, 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 the, the size of the guy and the, the, the engine on the guy, you know, he, he couldn't get his respect. And it was a bit of a, I think, after the midway point, you know, even though he was winning the fight on points, it, it, you could see that he was a bit of a, um, he didn't know what to do. I think he was he was trying to land his, you know, he could land the shots on Margarito's head whenever he wanted, but when a guy's smiling at you and keeps coming forward, it must be so disheartening and, psychologically the pressure that he was putting him on I mean Margarito's not a Chavez in cutting off the ring but he just keeps walking forward smiling at you still throwing uppercuts left hooks you've hit him with three punches square on the chin and he just he just brushes them off I mean it must be so disheartening to a fighter and I think that a lot of pressure was being put on uh, Cotto and you know as I think Jim Lampley was you know he didn't really see much of a problem you know, he, he thought Cotto seemed to have the victory in the bag as long as he carried on. But whereas Manny Stewart, you know, and like uh, Andy said, you know, he's missed now in the broadcast, but Manny Stewart seemed to know the writing was on the wall and it was going to be a, a damn hard fight for Cotto. And even Kellerman, I mean, I've been critical, uh, critical of him over the years, but I thought he was spot on in this fight. He was scoring it and he was saying, you know, Cotto can't, he has to think of something else because he's not going to be able to do this for 12 rounds because the guy is just coming forward and it, it turned from a boxing match where you'd favour Cotto it turned into Margarito's kind of fight he, he loves that you know even if he's walking in and taking three massive punches on the face as long as he's getting you know he's two punches in and he's closing the distance he's happy with that you know that's that's what Margarito loves I think Jeez. the sixth round was in a I think this sorry Andy I think the sixth round was when uh, Tony's pressure really started to tell you know Cotto's nose was bloodied and he just had a look of a fighter who was struggling, didn't he? Yeah, round seven, mate. Actually, I think it's oh, just a bit well, round yeah, yeah, round six, Cotto's uh, yeah. nose was bloodied. Uh, but it was round seven when Cotto was in huge trouble. You'll see that that is again. This is the first round where I feel that Margarito is fighting on even terms with Cotto. So even if I was being told as one, I would be one of hurt, guys. badly hurt by a series of Margarito uppercuts. And Margarita goes right back to the left-hand uppercut. Cotto is in trouble along the ropes. Biggest trouble he's been in oh, since the Ricardo Torres fight several years ago. Margarito's stalking and stalking. And this ain't Ricardo Torres. Cotto's looking for breathing room, and there is none. Didn't he have a cut on the left eye as well, Andy? Was that like in the fifth that, that was later on. I think it was, might have been the round after that, mate, because yeah. as I say, I think it was about the fourth round. I mean, the, the, the pressure was absolutely immense because as Kurt was mentioning about the, the left uppercuts and that, I didn't think Margarito actually even employed a jab. He was, just, he was mainly trying to kind of crowd or plod Cotto out of the ropes or in the corners, which he managed to do from, from time to time. Then Cotto would try and kind of slip off, parry shots, 
maybe just maybe landed two or three punches, and then as the fight gradually wore on, it kind of it, it ran down to kind of a single punch. But the single punch was, you know, it was a good shot. It did look like it was, it was, it wasn't damaging Margaret or such. But you know, if you were a judge watching that fight, you were saying like, okay, I'm going to score that punch here, and you were kind of like looking for Margaret to kind of maybe land, maybe, you know, two or three compared to Cotto's quality one, one or two punch combination. But definitely round six, I did think Margaret really did start to go on top of Cotto. You know, certainly landing the more punches. You know, I did think Cotto was spending a wee bit more time in the ropes and that. And then I think it was round seven for me was really the most telling round because if you look at it, I think it was early in the early in the round. Cotto complained about a clash of heads and he's, he's kind of pointing to his head, but dabbing to it and stuff, kind of like looking to the referee. Margarito said, "No, fuck that. He's straight in there. He didn't want to kind of touch gloves and stuff like that or say you okay, mate. He's right in there. He's chopping right hands and stuff. And you know, I did think you know." Even though Magro didn't take any notice, it, it, it landed a chopping right hand. I did, I did think it really did root Cotto to the spot. But then, you know, there was a free punch response from Cotto as well. But as I say, you know, again, Magarito, it hurt Cotto again with right uppercuts along the ropes. And as I say, the pressure got too much. Cotto then started to hold. I think that was about the first time in the fight. I think it was really about the seventh round that, uh, that Cotto tried to engage uh, by, basically by holding. But uh, I think it was you, David, mentioned about, about round eight. You know, Cotto's mouth was really hanging open. You know, it was just basically pop off yeah. single shots. He was, as I say, he was landing the more kind of cleaner shots. I thought, but the, the pressure remained just constant, epic, epic pressure. You know, and you know, we've discussed this type of thing before. I mean, some areas I've, I've done, you know, not major in gym and stuff like that. But if you've ever sparred big guys and stuff, it really yeah. does. It's, it's mentally draining for you. So you can imagine. You know, we'll go into the, uh, the hand wraps and stuff, but I do know before the fight that was contracted for a ten ounce for ten ounce gloves. I think that was then reduced to eight ounce gloves. So if yes. you can imagine, yeah, you can imagine if if he was loaded up, just how much pressure or sorry, how how much the more damage those punches could have been. Well, you you were talking about uh, Margarita's game plan, and the I I think it was just to make uh, Cotto work at a pace that he wasn't going to be comfortable with. I mean, if you look at Cotto's career, all throughout his career up until the Margarita fight, and sometimes he could be quite lazy. You know, he 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 was very content at boxing at a pace that was comfortable for him. Like I remember when he boxed, we, we mentioned the um, we covered the De La Hoya Mosley rematch a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Cotto actually boxed on the undercard. I can't remember the guy he fought, but it was a Panamanian, and he, he it was pretty much a snooze fest. Cotto didn't look to impress; he just looked to box at a very comfortable, lazy type pace. And you could see from the word go against Margarito that he was even, you know, as Steve mentioned, even when he wasn't, even when he was winning the rounds, he he was never liking what was going on. You know, Margarito just made it so uncomfortable for him, and he was making Cotto work nonstop. He he was constantly retreating as well, wasn't he? He was constantly yeah. moving. Can he the do whole that? Fight. Yeah, the whole fight. from the I mean, I just thought he didn't he he gave up gave off the wrong impression for me from the opening battle. He was constantly in retreat, you know, and he didn't, you know. I think Max Kellerman said at one point that he felt Cotto was the bigger puncher out of the two. It's just that Margarito could take the punches. But Cotto, never, never in the fight, during the fight, did he, I think, did he look like he was confident in his power that hurt Margarito? Because as soon as the bell rang, he was on the on the move, you know, boxing, which, you know, that's fine. But can he, I mean, some boxers we know they can do that all night. But I just think that he just gave the initiative to Margarito to keep coming. And, you know, for a game plan, it, it's crude, it's simple. You know, it's not the sweet science, but it's basically walk this guy down, take his power. You're gonna, you know, he, he's totally 
believing that he can take the power. And obviously, once he gets into the fight, he realizes he can take all his punishment. Just keep putting pressure on him, even if you know you're not getting your punches off. The constant pressure of making him move constantly. He he ain't gonna have the gas tank for him. Come second half fit of the fight. That was when obviously they thought they could step it up. But I felt it happened a lot earlier. I mean, I think David mentioned he hurt Carl with a body shot in the second round. And I just think, you know, it, from there, it, it was always going to be hard. And I think once Margarito knew he could hurt him, and Cotto knew he could hurt him, and he couldn't hurt the other guy, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're not able to move for 12 rounds, you can't keep the guy off yet, and you can't hurt him, it's it's going to be a horrible night for you, to be honest. Yeah. I think, as you say, Cut, I mean, we've all given Max Kellerman a lot of shit over the years and stuff, but I really did think he called it perfectly in round nine when, you know, right at the start of the round, and he says it in a kind of funny way. thinks the fight is just beginning. That Cotto, in a weird way, is in survival mode, wants to run out the clock. It's interesting to hear your guys' views on the actual ending of the fight, because obviously Cotto was, was I think he was he was tired, he was hurt, he didn't have a lot left. But we, we talked about uh, in another episode, Jamie Moore, when he was badly hurt, and he, you know, he basically said, fuck it, I'm just going to go all out, and you know, if I, I'm going to go out my shield, basically, and get knocked out. With Cotto, you know, he, he'd been in a lot of tough fights, and he, you know, he has shown he, he you know, in the tough, you know, he, he'll give it his all, and he, you know, he's hurt in the the, the Ricardo Torres fight, and you know, but in this fight, he was hurt and he was tired, but the ending, I mean, a lot, of, he got a lot of criticism for it, didn't he? And the way, you know, Margarito basically just walked towards him, and he. He went on his knees, and I think the towel came in afterwards. I mean, what do you guys think of that? I he's, mean, he's seen he's seen the dark side of Don Tony by the way. That's what happens when you, you see the dark side of someone like that. But, yeah, I mean, I, just going. Oh, I was going to ask your scorecards actually as well at the same time. Yeah, I had it, I think I had it level going into the eleventh, and you know, I think uh, Cotto countered with a one-two. That you know, Magrito just basically ate it up. He just kept throwing. I think it was a left hook or something, and a right uppercut. That uh, seen the first. I think he took a knee the first time. I think it was a, it was a left hook right uppercut, um, and two, then yeah, two uppercuts. I think wasn't two it? Two uppercuts. Or well, right. there was two, two punches. Was there, and... was there right to the temple as well? Was there? Was that kind of forced? Then to the ground mean, his, face, his face is all crimson. Obviously, and then you know he gets up, and you you could probably just see he didn't want it anymore. You know, Margarito he again landing uppercuts. He just backed off. I mean, he, he went. He actually backed off from one turnbuckle, diagonally across the ring, all the way over, and then Margaret was just basically marching toward him, and he just goes on his knee, and he, he basically nods. He, he shakes his head to his corner. His uncle or whoever it is gets in the ring, throws in the towel and stuff. Um, as Kurt quite rightly says, I mean, I don't think he. Sh- yeah, I don't want to be <laughs> to be shitting on him, but I just don't think, even though he did take that beating. I don't think he showed the real warrior spirit. I mean, we've seen it with Jamie Moore, as we discussed last week. Jamie's willing to stand in there, you know, balls to the wall, badly hurt against Rhodes, stood there, even looked like he was going to get himself back into the fight. We never saw that with Cotto. Cotto was, 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 was too happy to try and get a box off the back foot. And it was you know, very you know, poetic that Manny Stewart called it, you know, about an hour before the fight, that, you know, he just couldn't box, he couldn't win the fight by boxing on the, at some point he had to stand, in the, stand in there and really bang it out. I don't think he did that. He really didn't do it. He just kind of seemed to kind of t- try and tame the line and kind of back him off the ropes and stuff. And he just he just couldn't do it. I just don't think he had it in it to basically kind of stand there and trade with him. Margarito short shots on the inside now, Emmanuel. Oh yeah. That's and Cotto goes to a knee. 
succumbing to the pressure, much the way Zab Judah succumbed to the pressure against him last year. And that knockdown could ultimately be the difference in the fight. Yeah. Antonio Margarito has finally gotten his man to bend. Miguel Cotto getting beaten up by oh, a man, it's over, it's over. He's exhausted yeah, and it's practice. almost over. The punishment has accumulated to the point where Cotto has nothing left. There's no point in Kenny Bayless allowing this to proceed. No, it's over. It's over. And Evangelista Cotto's going to throw in... I think he was just I, drained at the end, wasn't he? Like, uh, yeah, he, he I was just... Was... mentally drained. I mean, he, hadn't, he lacked a powerful deterrent. He hadn't got the physical strength to keep Margarito off him, Dave. I mean, you can call it back boxing off the back foot, but... I thought at a point it became like Cotto was in like an active survival mode for you know for a lot of the second half of the fight he was throwing the shots without any real intent it was to try and stop Margarito from throwing to sort of keep him off him it was like active survival. Well, funnily enough, I mean you mentioned the seven rounds and you know Cotto was in terrible trouble in that round and you know he was looking to hold the huge round for Margarito. Well, I actually I actually gave Cotto the eight and the ninth. I thought he he rebounded quite well. Um, you know, Tony was doing a lot of chasing, and again, as we said, you know, making Carter work. But Carter was actually landing some clean shots and doing enough, I thought, just to win win those rounds. You know, whereas uh, Margarita's work a lot of and a lot of spells during during those two rounds was uh, ineffective. You know, Carter was peppering him with shots, so I just thought Carter was just did enough to win the eight and the ninth. The big turning point was the end of the tenth round, where Margarita hurt him and badly hurt him. And I think that just took everything away from Cotto mentally and physically. And the 11th round, he just looked like a man who was absolutely spent, as you mentioned, Steve. That was late in the 10th, wasn't it? It was late. Yeah, at at yeah, the end of the 10th round. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 up or something. I think it was, yeah. And Cotto was reeling and he kind of ran away from Margarito. But I think after that, I mean, that must have been mentally so hard for um, for Cotto because I, I think... He was actually winning the majority of the ten round as well, if I remember. But, uh, it, was, um, it, was the end, it was the end of that round that kind of basically swung it in favour of Margarito. Yeah. Stewart had it the same way. Yeah, yeah and, that, and, that, and that must have been like that must have been like a, su such a real heartbreaker for Cotto. I think mentally and physically as well. He just looked like a fighter who came out at the start of the eleventh, who was just so spent, and he couldn't keep Margarito off him. And I think he wilted. I just found that the, the corner and the tactics by Cotto are just quite bizarre, to be honest. I mean, once you're in the fight with a guy, you know, you can plan all beforehand, but you, you don't really know the true story until you're in the fight. You, you know, you can gauge how hard he hits, you know, how strong he's, you know, etc., etc. But I just thought he was constantly peppering him to his head. He just didn't do anything. He, he never really once went for his body and thought, you know, let's try and slow this guy down as well. Let's try, let's see if that works because he, you know the, the the punches to the chin are just not doing anything. He just he's just brushing them off. You know, again, he, he they never really told him, you know, don't let him inside or clinch, do anything, clinch him, spin off, you know, get off the ropes. It was just like oh, he was going to the ropes, having a little breather, but it wasn't really a breather at all because it just enabled Margaret to do what he wanted. I mean, Margaret always, you know. He's an incredibly slow of hand, isn't he? I mean, he throws shots and they're so slow. But he was able to, to land like four straight left-hand uppercuts in a row. I mean, that just tells you, I think, that Cotto was just was such a... He was basically a punch bag. 
for some of that fight. And you know, he didn't have to be. You know, if he can't move because he's tired, and I could understand him in time, at least try and tie the guy up. And the referee obviously would have broke it up. It wouldn't have made for a great fight for fans, as you know, we'd rather than fighting at it. But you know, for for the trainer or the man himself to, you know, surely you could see that, you know, I can't just sit here and, you know, rest up because this guy's not allowing me to, I can't move around because, you know, I haven't got the, the gas tank. So at least, like, maybe work his body, see if that works, and tie him up. I mean, it, they're just, it was just the same tactical. And again, you know, go on the back foot, you know, throw uh, three punches to his head. The crowd got mad, but in reality, that's taking more out of car because he's having to put, you know, f put these shots together, and it's just not doing anything. It might be ticking off the rounds, but he, he's not. You can just see that he's not going to be able to go 12 rounds, and you just don't see, you know, him. Obviously, he's not going to stop Margarita, so he's just he's just emptying his own um, gas tank, really. Obviously, guys, um, there was a rematch further on down the line. Shocking. Um, <laughs> what was shocking about it, Andy? Well, come on, I mean, you know, I'm a masochist at the end of the day, but, and I'm not a big Cotto fan, but my great wish never be allowed to fight. I mean, we've said it before, I mean, okay, we've been speaking about him recently over the last two fights that he's had and stuff, but, you know, you know let's just call it as it is. I mean, that, that eye, he looks like, you know, he's got one eye gone to the shop, another one coming home with change, it's really, really bad, you know, come on. And um, it's just basically Bob Arm working his, working his, uh, his angles stuff. I managed to get the guy licensed him to fly up from Mexico trying to get his eye checked and tested and stuff. I mean, the guy's had a, a lens surgically inserted into his eyeball. That just tells you how grotesque a sport we love and uh, follow, by the way. I thought yeah. it was like on, off, on, off, on, off throughout the week, wasn't it? Like yeah. first, it was, first it was off, then it was back on, then it was off again, then it was back on. It was crazy stuff. And as you said, at the end of the day, he shouldn't have been in the box ring, and he still shouldn't be. It's a disgrace he's still fighting. But it's like as you know, we had Dougie Fisher on the um, the podcast, and he said, you know, the hate that Margarita got, you know, he became this, you know, like a a Bonvidan type thing. And but the amount of money that he made, he made more money in like a couple of fights at the end of his career than his entire career combined. I mean, so he played up to this this villain in the rematch. You know, he's really playing up to it. We got to remember, you know, Manny Pacquiao gave him a horrible beating. Shane Mosley gave him a horrible beating. You know, yeah, it, it was good for Cotto to get his revenge, if you want to call it that. But to me, he wasn't it wasn't the, the greatest revenge for him personally. You know, he didn't put a beating on him. He, he outboxed him, and he actually did what he should have done in the first fight. He tied him up whenever he got inside. You know, just like Shane Mosley did. He landed his, you know, shots, tied him up, and it was a lot easier fight for him against, you know, obviously a much worse version of Margarito. But you know, he got the win, but. You know, I think that was a fight. The first fight was a fight that Cotter really sh should have won. You know, looking back at it, but you know, he, he didn't fight the right fight, and Margaret he allowed Margarita to fight his fight. And anyone who goes in with someone like Margarita and you know lets him fight his fight, you're going to be in a world of trouble because the guy, you know, you might not think he's that good, you might not rate him, but he's going to he, he what he does, he's very good at, and he's he's one of those boxers that you wouldn't fancy fighting. I think, I think an immediate rematch would have been interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, I know Carter was out of the ring. I think Carter was out of the ring for a while, wasn't he? He came back against um, was it Michael Jennings. Jennings. Michael yeah. Jennings, it was. I, 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 I think it's always a huge gamble. I mean, we saw it with David Price when he went in with Tony Thompson. If you lose the rematch, where'd you go then? I mean, the confidence mm. of the fighter is absolutely dead, but you win, and it's, 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 a, it's a massive gamble. But, like you know, I don't think anyone really... You know, the first fight was them obviously at their best. 
not really think for the rematch as much, did I really? But yeah, an immediate rematch, Kyle could have could have you know right that wrong, but he thing is, we've seen it with Puerto Ricans before that. Actually, I mean, after, after you know he takes that beating at the hands of a, of, a, of a Mexican. What happened to Hector Camacho? Same thing. Edwin Rosario put him through mm. 12 rounds of painful hell by Camacho. You know, many people think he was never the same fighter again. He decided, yeah. you know, the box off the back foot. You know, never really kind of go from very negative, mate. Very negative. And if you look at Cobra's career since then, okay, he's fought some of the, you know, he's fought two of the greatest fighters of our generation, obviously. But you know, he was he was well beat by Pacquiao. You know. His career since then has really, really kind of really annoyed me. I mean, especially the latter half of his career, but he really did become the, the king of vacant titles. Um, you know, the Yuri Foreman fight, you know, okay, it's not his fault that Foreman was injured, but it's, it didn't make it any, any, any you know, fast of a fight because Foreman wasn't all that great. He wasn't all that great a fighter. Um, okay, he, he pushed Mayweather close, but you know, you could argue that Mayweather mentally was, was, was the, Prepared fully because he was he was facing jail. The Austin the Austin Trout thing really did, did did piss me off because he was well beaten in that fight, and I did think he did show a lack of class by not staying in the ring and yeah. basically you know, like speak about the fight and stuff and how it went. And I think he even claimed he'd been robbed or whatever. And then Delvin Rodriguez, Delvin Rodriguez was was probably relevant back when he put he fought those two great fights with Pavel Wallach. Remember on the ESPN Friday Night yeah. Fights card, the yeah, first fight especially. Pavel Wallach, yeah, there's a name from the I, past. I, I just think you know with, with Cotter and the whole you know people hate him, or not hate him, but you know they criticize. It's the whole entitlement issue, you know the whole you know the same reason why a lot of people dislike Floyd Mayweather. You know you can be the best boxer in the world, but all your you know diva antics, you know you don't really want to hear and. You know, some of the shit he pulled, I mean, you know, the Martinez fight, he had to have his name first on the poster, he had to come out first, he had to have this dressing room, he had to have all this. The way he made Daniel Gill, I mean, he didn't force Daniel Gill to come down, Gill could have said no, but the fact that, he, you know, he was the A-side and he just did it all the more. This was a guy who complained that Manny Pacquiao asked him to to come down to 145, he made the weight and said he was fine and used it as an excuse afterwards. And after being in that position, he used the same power to other guys and you now as you said you know he lost to Austin Trout but that was basically brushed under the carpet it was like well let's forget about that it never happened and then it was like let's fight you know one-legged step-toe Sergio Martinez and he, he, he was he was a lot of smoke and mirrors after that fight you know Cotter was a good fighter but as he moved up in weight he had to be careful of who he fought because obviously he was a smaller guy and you know I'll give him credit for the Canelo fight you know he what he you know Canelo gave him a lot of respect, you know, and I think Canelo could have ended him, to be honest, if he really went for him. But Canelo gave him a lot of respect in that fight, I felt. And, you know, you got to say that's credit to Cotto and things that he'd done in his career. And, you know, I don't know when he'll fight again or whatever, but, he, you know, he's fought a lot of good fighters. And, you know, this fight, what we're talking about, is a great fight. And I, I think, you know, Margarito gets, obviously because of the hand wrap situation, he gets a lot of shit. But, you know, what we go on in that fight is that, you know, there's no proof that he had hand wraps, and I still maintain that Cotto could have won that fight if he used better tactics. It wasn't a case of, you know, Margarita went in there hitting with a punch, and you know he was all over the place. It was a his own fault. I felt that he allowed a man like Margarita to get off on him, and you know it was his own downfall. I thought so. You know, it's it was a great fight either way, and you know the contrast that followed. Let's be honest, it made both men have a lot of money in the rematch. You mm. mentioned it. You mentioned it. I mean, we can't avoid it anymore. In, in your personal opinion, guys, do you think Margarita was loaded up for that fight? Well, I don't, personally. I don't think he was. 
I suspect, I, I do have my suspicions, just the way when every time he hit Cotto, I know Cotto was much the smaller man and Margarita was a lot bigger, but just seemed to be moving him, it seemed to be something different. Maybe in hindsight it's a wonderful thing and everything, but I do have more suspicions there was more to it, the way, the way he, he was catching. I think you have, I think there's nothing wrong at all, if you've got to have suspicions because of what happened in the next fight, but at the time I don't think, you know, you would have watched that fight and thought, oh he's hitting him and he's, you know, he's, he's doing a lot of damage, this is, you know, it's only in hindsight that, you yeah. know, you've got to look, and people started looking at Margarita's other fights, you know, you mentioned the Luhan fight where the guy's ears, you know, destroyed, the Kermit Sintron fights, you know, Manny Stewart, I think, is on record saying he doesn't, you know, he was, he trained Sintron for the second fight, the rematch, and he said he doesn't believe Margarita was, was had anything wrong with his raps at all, you know, but people have gone over his career and said, look at this, look at this fight when he hurt this guy. And now his whole career is basically, I mean, now it's not. You know, and people say, well, look at his fight since that fight. He hasn't stopped anyone. I mean, but Steve Bunch really kind of pushed, uh, pushed the agenda. I remember reading an article with him basically saying because there was like red dye, possibly blood. At the end, uh, it was hand wraps. That was that was proof that. Well, I think Cotto was kind of basically kind of coming out saying that as well. Remember, they had that that face off in the second fight, and Cotto comes up with the iPad and Sean looks here, said, look, "Look at this." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my God, man, leave it, let, let it rest." But my, my personal opinion, yeah. I, okay, we'll, we'll put it this way. I mean, people who say that Margarito didn't cheat, right? Okay, you've not got proof. People that say that Margarito did cheat haven't got proof. So either or of those two camps, then kind of turn around and say that Felix Trinidad did the same thing, right? But in my personal opinion, as I say, I've no proof either. Like everybody else, everything's circumstantial. I think most, he most likely did have. I mean, it's like it's like you said, you know, there's no proof either way, and there's nothing wrong with thinking he did, because I can understand why. But in the whole broadcast, I've seen a guy who apparently is wearing these, whatever he's wearing, these plaster of Paris, blah, 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 you know, these concrete on his hands. He has his gloves removed straight away. He's shaking hands with the referee. He's shaking hands with Bob Arum. He's shaking hands with all the officials. He's having his hands raised. All gloves off, you know, just his wraps. It just seems like, is it likely a guy who's wearing wraps, you know, the, the concrete would be so eager to, to get his gloves off. To me, I mean, it's, it's possible, but I just think it's a bit unlikely to myself, you know, in front of all those people shaking all the hands of the referees, you know, with him as well, right next to him. If you think of the, the Billy Collins fight, the guy didn't take his gloves off. It was only when they went over and shook his hands with his gloves on that he noticed that the padding was removed or the, the hair was removed. And I just think he might, might well have achieved, but I just think it does, didn't, to me, look, if you watch the end of the fight, if you got the, the broadcast and people listening, the way he was acting just didn't seem to me like a guy who had, you know, was worried about people feeling his hands. It, that's just what it's to me. But, you know, I can totally understand why people would be suspicious. I mean, he, he, he something went clearly wrong for the next fight against Shane Mosley. And, you know, and, you know it, that's his own fault at the end of the day. You know, people will look back at his whole career and, you know, he'll have to live with that because of what happened. But as I said, the, the flip of that is it made him a huge amount of money and does he really care about that now? I mean, he's still living off it now. He's still hoping to get a Canelo fight. Why? Because the controversial and, you know, the, the character that he is. People, whether you hate him or you like him, you know, people will, will want to see Antonio Margarito still and that's why he's still fighting today. That's man, a good point, yeah. He's manager, I mean, he's ma sorry, Steve, when you go I was just going to say, you can, you can end up going into conspiracy theory territory, can't you? It's the same as when fighters are using PEDs, like we discussed... Jay Mosley before, you're looking at it now, 
backwards saying, well, was he using PEDs for this one? Was so-and-so had his hands wrapped for this one? It, it raises the whole question, but you can sort of go into conspiracy theory territory. I know one thing it didn't do. It didn't hurt uh, Miguel Cotto's earning power, because even though this was his first loss and it tarnished his reputation at the time, I mean, you look at the Pacquiao, you've got Mayweather, you've got your Martinez, you've got your Alvarez, this big Rock Nation contract's worth, what, $40, $50 million? Miguel okay, didn't, no. didn't do work, you know, he did okay financially wise after the fight, even if Margarito was technically scrimping a little bit in comparison. Yeah, this is true. But yeah, I guess, what, yeah. what the fuck did Rock Nation know about boxing? <laughs> Not much. Again, for, the, for this whole hand wrap situation, how, you, you, the blame's got to be put on HBO as well. I mean, they aired the documentary, the, the Billy Collins documentary, and then what do they do? They put Antonio Margarito on pay-per-view against Manny Pacquiao, earning him $4 million plus. I mean, what what example is that? I mean, you can say a guy served his time, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, PEDs, you know, weight cutters, people take things like that. They, you know, people even smoke a bit of weed and they get in trouble. But when you go in the ring with hand wraps, again, I'm not, I don't believe he did have them against Carter, but whether you believe he did it or not, if you go in the ring with hand wraps, you know, you, that's a man's life, you, you know, you're dealing with. And, you know, a one-year ban, it's, it's not acceptable, is it? Let's be honest. But yeah. HBO were happy to, to fill his wallet. They're happy to do it again for the Qatar rematch. I mean, so well, you look at them and where's, where's the, the morals with them? Do you, do you remember... Do you remember when uh, he went to go and fight Pacquiao and they had the 24-7 series? Obviously, they were mocking Freddie Roach with his Parkinson's and stuff. I remember Brandon Rios walked him with this big fucking slab and they sat it on his hand and they started taping up as a joke yeah. running about his hand and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. It, all, it all played to the character, didn't it? Yeah, the bad guys here. I think the uh, most, like, just going back to the hand rats issue, like, in, in my lifetime, the most... Um, Obvious example of Jordan hand wraps was when Glenn Catley fought that South African guy Dingan Tobella. I'm not sure if you remember that, but you know after Tobella knocked yeah. Catley out, he celebrated after the fight, and you could see like his wraps was like a it was like a rock on his knuckle. I mean, I don't think there was anything overtly wrong uh, in the Margarito Cotto fight. You know, I think as you mentioned, if it had never been discovered prior to the Mosley fight. I don't think anybody would have raised an eyebrow on any of Margarita's fights, but obviously because of what happened subsequently, people you know kind of cast uh, you know uh, aspersions over his previous fights. I mean, you, you can argue and you can speculate here, blue in the face, but there, there's no hard evidence to suggest that um, that 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 Margarito you know had anything you know was untoward in the Cotto fight. But at the same time, conversely, was it really the first time Margarito was or his trainer, who knows, was up to no good? Uh, you know, as as I said, you you, you can speculate to, to the blue in the face, but you know at the same time, uh, you know, pe people look upon uh, Margarito as the villain, and you know they were happy when Mosley beat him, but then Mosley was caught with PEDs, and you know Mosley's not really looked upon as a villain, is he? But at the same time, if you're on performance enhancing drugs, um, are you not equally putting someone's life in danger? You know, I think maybe, maybe, maybe there's something more sinister about loaded hand wraps, but at the same time, performance enhancing drugs, you know, it, it, that's, it's another dangerous issue, isn't it? That's what I mean. I mean, Marg Margarito got his karma against Shane Mosley. Uh, you know, an obvious drug cheat with the, the cream and the clear. I mean, it just it, 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 that's just boxing for you, though. You know, people who, people happy to see his eye get destroyed by Manny Pacquiao, you know, but. You know, would it be the same? Do we want to see James Tony destroyed and have his eyes smashed out because he, he took steroids twice or Shane Mosley? But, you know, it, it seemed that 
Margarita was was given a lot worse treatment than a lot of other cheats, maybe because of the hand wraps. But you know, like I said, he didn't actually use them in the ring. Technically, he's never been proven to use them in the ring. He got caught before the Shane Mosley fight. He never has been proven to use them in any other fight. So you know, and and if he was using them against Shane Mosley, it wouldn't have made a difference because Shane Mosley, you know, had a, had the beating of him and. Um, it wouldn't have mad in that fight at all, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cheats, and I just think fans they like to give the benefit out to some guys and not not the others. And but I, I just think Antonio Margarito, his family, I just don't think they care at all, and I just don't think he's he's bothered about proving his innocence because it's made him a lot of money. And you know, has it really hurt his career? I don't think it has at all. It's got him big fights. He's made more money in those couple of fights than he ever did before. He'll probably still get another big fight, get a beating, and he'll go and walk into the sunset for the end. Cotto, did it really hurt him? You know, he took a bad beating that night, but he took a bad beating against Manny Pacquiao. You know, it, does it really matter to him? He, he lost his unbeaten record, that's about it. But, you know, he got swept under the carpet because once he got caught against Mosley, Cotto was was seen as the victim, and he was seen as, you know, you haven't really lost that fight, he cheated against you, and, you know, he lived on that. But, you know, the fact is it was never proven, and when they fought, Antonio Margarito deservedly won the fight. I think Kurt makes a good closing point there. As boxing fans, we are very fickle and very flexible in equal measures as to what we can accept and, and won't accept. My final thoughts on this one, though, uh, regardless of all the shenanigans going on in and out of the ring. Very interesting fight. Uh, real solid performance from Margarito. Cotto obviously playing his part as well. We always love to see the, the better fighters going up against each other. Anyone else want to add anything in before we uh, wrap it up? As Max Kellerman said, a modern boxing classic. I'd actually forgotten how great a fight it was. Um, it was great to look back up on this again. You know, after some superb action. Um, you know, for any of our listeners who, for some reason, hadn't seen it yet, definitely check it out. And for other listeners who have seen it, but like myself, hadn't seen it in you know, a couple of years, definitely check it out again. It's definitely worth watching. And, it, it's, and you don't have to get involved in all the hand wraps. You know, just watch it and enjoy it as a fight too. You know, really good fighters. You know, at, at their best, giving it everything they got. You know. And, Whatever you think of either man, you know, just enjoy the fight for what it was. You know, it, it was a great fight, and you know, it's one that you can always get out and watch. And you know, it's it's he had, had everything, and the crowd. You know, it's always great seeing a fight in, in Vegas where the crowd are really up for it. You know, too many fights over there, the crowd are not into it. But when when they're up, standing up, and they're cheering, and you know, especially when you got that rivalry as well, it, it just makes for a perfect fight. Final words from Kurt Ward there, guys. Uh, Dave Lee and Andy Patterson joining me, uh, Steve Wellings, for the latest episode of Punches from the Past. As the guys say, if you haven't looked up this one in a while or you have never seen the fight, then go on YouTube. There's various versions. There's a Spanish-language version, a Russian version. I think there's an English-language version knocking around somewhere, hopefully. Maybe not on YouTube, but uh, go and look it up anyway. And if you have any comments or any thoughts or any feelings about what we've said or missed out or added in, then uh, hit us up on Twitter or over on the Facebook page and let us know. Uh, what you think about this one. Also, coming to uh, your ears very soon on a Sunday evening is the Boxing Asylum Nuthouse podcast. Don't forget to join us on YouTube, 8 o'clock UK time every Sunday evening. And we'll catch you again with another episode of Punches from the Past coming very soon. Thanks, guys. See ya.
Sports Social Podcast Network.